time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. A couple of days ago, I got an email from someone who was asking me, do I have fears? Do I have doubts? Here I am talking about how to deal with fears and how to deal with your own doubts and how to find a way to thrive no matter what life is throwing you away. And the person wanted to know, did I struggle with that? And my response to that is absolutely because, well, I share something that we all share together. We're all human. In fact, the people who scare me the most are the people who tell me they have no doubts and no fears. They are so confident in their beliefs or in themselves. That concerns me because they've lost their connection with that inner place within them. But more than that, they've lost a perspective. They have eliminated every other perspective And what I think we're all struggling with is what's my big reason why? So where I have fears and doubts, the question is whether the big why pulls me through that. In fact, today I want to talk about the big whys and the little whys. The big why that pulls you forward and the little whys that pull you back. You know those little whys because they haunt us every day. Now, here's where it kicks in today. You know, I got this email a couple of days ago. and So I've been thinking about, have I been somehow portraying the fact that I have no fears, that somehow I'm at a different place than other people? And I hope not. I hope you realize that when we're walking down this path of thriving, we're all walking down this path of thriving. We're all walking through this life, trying to figure out the best way to get there. That's the thing about life. We're all walking towards you know, what we want as a bigger thing, and then finally walking towards the eventual fact that there's only so many days left here, right, that for each of us. And so we're all in that process. There's no magic formula for erasing all the difficulties and struggles of life. There's no magic formula for getting rid of fear. It's figuring out how to function in spite of the fear, in spite of the obstacles, and moving forward with that. So If I have somehow made you think that I have no fears and I've got everything together, I deeply apologize. And what I want to do instead today is talk about what that's about, the whys. So first, let me tell you a core belief that I carry with me, and that is that you and I and everybody else has some reason for being here. They have a purpose, We all have to find our purpose or life feels very hollow. So we're all looking for our big why. The big why is why am I here? Now, this isn't something you suddenly answer. It's something that you unfoldingly answer over the course of your life. And I've unfoldingly answered over the course of my life. What I say is my why now may be very different when Uh, Something else happens in my life when something else comes forward. My early part of my life, my why was just trying to figure out who I was, right? That's our why early days. That's what teens are doing, trying to figure out who they are. In early adulthood, we're trying to figure out who we are. In early adulthood, we're also trying to figure out my why in kind of a relational way. Where do I belong? What is my group? Why am I involved with these people's lives? And sometimes we have to pick and choose where that's going to be. And then eventually we might get to the place where one of our whys is a commitment to a person. 
That's what I've talked about a lot in my Save the Marriage podcast and in my books on relationship of how do you make that why work? One of my whys is I'm committed to a relationship. That's my why of life, to be committed and loving in a relationship. Then along come kids, and we suddenly realize that one of our reasons why is parenting, being a parent, being the best parent we can. And sometimes we don't have kids, and so it's, it, it finds another focus. But that can be another place where you find a big why in your life. But there comes a point when some things begin to shift. That's that midlife point. Kids become independent. Jobs kind of find their place. And suddenly you're asking the bigger question of what's the real deep meaning why am I truly here? What is the deepest, biggest why? If we're constantly looking for that big why, it pulls us forward. But that's not what holds us back in many ways. It's what keeps us looking. If you haven't found your why, you keep looking for it. When you found your why, you start moving towards it. But then there are this other little whys. For instance, just this morning, I woke up and I wasn't feeling great. I didn't sleep well last night. I really couldn't tell you why. I mean, there's nothing particular going on, but you notice that little question I just said, why? But I do what I do every morning. I spun around, sat up in bed, and started pulling on my clothes to go downstairs and make some coffee and get ready to go for a walk. But I I realized as I was sitting on the bed, I was going, why am I feeling this way? Why am I so down? Why am I not feeling energy? Why am I just kind of melancholic this morning? That's a little why. It's the difference between the big why of what is my purpose, why am I here, and the little whys that tend to hold us back, like why did something happen? Why do I feel this way? Those are the ones that I've noticed hold us back in life. When I was a therapist every day, my days were filled with people telling me or asking the question, why did this happen, and telling me their stories. They would tell me a story and say, so why is that true? Why am I this way? Why did this happen? Why don't they love me? Why you know, did this not work out? The same was true earlier in my career when I was a chaplain at a hospital. And I've talked about this in a couple of other podcasts about what I learned as a chaplain. And that's the big uh, places where people ask, chaplain, why did this happen? I was a second shift chaplain. And so I got to listen in to people when they were in that evening place. You know, people had come and gone, the families had gone home, the staff was beginning to uh, drop a little bit, and people were left in their, their rooms asking themselves that question, why? Why am I sick? Why was there an accident? Why aren't things going well? Why can't I whatever? So I sat there many times with people who were asking the why, and I realized that that why was really getting them stuck. Sometimes that why was about why not? You know, is there a way to not have this happen? This was particularly true when I would cover the emergency room and and an accident would happen and people would be asking the question, why? But they really didn't want my answer. They really weren't looking for that answer. They were trying to figure out a why not. How could I not have this happen? How could this not have happened instead of why did this really happen in a kind of a theological or realistic sense? I remember at one point somebody said, so did you think that God did this to me? And my response was, no, I don't think God did this to you, but these are things that happen in the world. 
that calls us to ask the question of why. And we're not going to be able to answer it anytime soon. So we spend a lot of energy around the why question. I remember when I had two families in our family waiting rooms, and the two families were here for the same wreck. It was an intersection. Two cars trying to go through an intersection at the same time didn't work out really well. One family had somebody who had died. The other family, the person had a couple of scratches, and that was it. They would be going home that night. And I remember the family that had had the family, the, the family member survive and be okay were saying, you know, God had spared their family member. And yet in the next room was the people that by that same logic, God didn't spare that family member. That didn't quite work out for me. And so I was sitting with the family and they said, well, so, you know, where did God play a role in this? And I said, well, I'm not sure that there's God playing a role directly in this wreck as much as there are physics in play, right? And so the question is not about whether there is a divine force causing that accident as much as the fact that there are laws of nature created into our world that lead to things happening. Sometimes we get fortunate, right? Sometimes the laws of physics work on our side and other times they don't. And yet this family kept asking the whys. Why did this happen? Why did something happen? Why do I feel this way is another one. Many people would come into my office and say, why, why do I feel the way I do? Why do I have these thoughts about uh, all these things in my past? And so part of what I've realized is that those little whys can keep us pulled back because generally those whys are not really answerable, at least not now. They're not really answerable. I can tell you that as I sat there and thought, why did I feel that way? I was aware of one very central piece. My mind was busy worrying about things. So in some ways I could say, well, the reason why I feel this way is because my mind is spinning this morning. My mind is going through all the things I have to get done and all the things that could happen if I don't get them done and all the other pieces of life, which brought me to one very clear realization. My thoughts were what I needed to turn to. So I believe that we can begin to ask instead of a why, a what question. From why to what? In the big why, we can ask the question, what is my purpose? What are the things that I do that bring me meaning that begins to move us in that direction? Why am I here can leave us hanging. Why am I here? Big question. Why am I here? But I find that when I ask the question, what is my purpose? What is the place where I bring something into the world? What is the place where I bring something to others? What is the place where I make a difference? Notice the difference in the big why and the little why. The big why is about what I do for the world. The little why is about me, what's happening to me. Lots of research has shown one thing. When we help other people, we feel better. In fact, that's a central piece of altruism. When we reach out beyond ourselves, we feel better. There are a couple of ways that think, people think about happiness. Hedonic happiness is one. Hedonic happiness is trying to find the things to do that will make us feel good, make us feel happy. 
And so that can be, uh, I, I feel hedonic pleasure when I uh, go get some new clothes for a minute or a new car for a minute or get a new toy of some sort for a minute. It can bring happiness or go to a party and have a great time for a minute. That brings happiness. But what we realize is that that happiness tends to be short-lived, mainly because we're then asking, so what happened to that, right? What did that all mean? And, and we are referencing, again, how am I feeling in that moment? But then the Greeks had another word for happiness, and that's eudaimonic. Eudaimonic happiness was based more in how can we move into the world and give the world something? How can we make the place better? How can we help other people? How can we help the world? And that usually is what ties into our purpose. As far as I can tell, it's really never been anybody's purpose, their true purpose to accumulate a lot. We live that out in our culture very often where people think that if they just have enough, they'll finally get to that true happiness. But as far as I can tell from the people I've talked to, from people who are very wealthy to people who don't have much, that's not doing it. Chasing the toys never really brought joy and happiness and true satisfaction. And so part of what we realize is that there's got to be something deeper to that big why. And that's that eudaimonic purpose. What am I here to change in the world? So then we get to those little whys that hold us back. The why did this happen to me and why do I feel this way? And one of the things that we realize is that there's a what in that do in that too. So this morning, as I was going, why am I feeling down? Why am I feeling so melancholic? I had to switch the question to what can I do about that? What can I do to feel better? So a couple of things I was very clear about. One is that I could begin my day, go ahead and start moving. I could have said, well, I feel bad, so I'll go back to bed. Instead, I said, I feel bad, so I think I'll get moving and let my body catch up. And so I started doing my normal rhythm of coming downstairs and making the coffee and feeding the dog and petting the dog and going through a quick itinerary of my day and getting ready uh, to go for a walk. I took my wife a cup of coffee and kissed her on the forehead and headed out for my normal walk. And I found myself already feeling better. As I was walking, I was thinking about what had happened. And I realized that part of what was going on was I was stuck in a cycle of thought. As is often the case, whenever we get stuck in a thought going round and round, it brings us down. I've noticed that a lot of people uh, tend to focus on thoughts uh, that bring us down rather than focusing on thoughts that might make them happy, right? And part of what that's about is the nature of our, our thoughts, nature of our mind. And we forget this. You see, your mind, all it's doing is creating thoughts. That's all your mind is designed to do. Not necessarily all good thoughts or bad thoughts, just thoughts. And the problem is that we humans forget about that thinking. We confuse that mental jibber-jabber that's going on, that, that monkey mind stuff that's going on with reality, and so when we're having negative thoughts, we start fixating on those negative thoughts, even though along the way, some really positive, helpful, good thoughts are there too. We push them aside and we keep embracing those lower thoughts, the ones that pull us down. So we keep asking the questions about fears and about doubts and about hurts and pains rather than recognizing that part of what's going on is just our mind going in circles. So what can I do? Well, the first thing I could do was get started. 
And I knew that part of my day would allow me to do some of the work that makes me feel like I'm involved in my deeper purpose. But the other thing I realized as I was walking is I could let those thoughts go. Thoughts only grow when we give them energy. They're going to pop up. They're going to keep moving into my field of consciousness and the question is whether I entertain them, whether I I play with them and whether I nourish them with a little attention and focus because that's all they need. Once we give a thought attention and focus, it's going to grow. Whatever that thought is, helpful, not helpful, good, bad, whatever it is, that thought is going to grow when it gets our focus. And generally, the thoughts that get our focus are those negative thoughts, the self-doubt thoughts, the fear thoughts that pull us back. So what can I do? One of the things I could do was to shift my attention away from those thoughts onto what might be more important in my life. What can I release is the other question. What do I need to let go of? What thoughts and habits do I need to release in order to be able to move towards my purpose? Because we're bound by those thoughts and habits. And by the way, when we get stuck in those thoughts, It's just a thought habit. We get into a habitual pattern with those thoughts that pull us down and keep us stuck. So we have the capacity of deciding that we don't have to be held down by those thoughts. Fears are going to be there. It's not one of those things we can control. But we can decide how much energy we're going to give to the fear once it pops in our head. A fear is just going to pop in your head. A thought is going to pop in your head. Don't confuse your thoughts with realities. Don't confuse fear with reality and never lose track of your bigger why. Why are you here? What is your purpose? When you anchor to that, it pulls you through the places that are trying to pull you back. I hope this has been helpful. Just a thought to kind of help you think about why you're here and how to keep yourself from being stuck in the smaller stuff. If it's been helpful, you might check out my book, Thrive Principles. It's 15 strategies for building your thriving life. You can find that by going to thriveprinciples.com. That's thriveprinciples.com. You can learn how to get it there or just check it out at your local bookstore or wherever you like to buy books. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you build your thriving life. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.